0: Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at TheAaronDugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan.
2: My name's Stephen Godfrey. You can find me at 38Godfrey on pretty much every social media platform.
0: There you have it. We'll talk a little bit about Brian Kelly. Uh, culture fit um, became a story pretty quickly. Um, I want to know, we'll talk a little Heisman. I know, Stephen. you want to poo-poo the entire thing. You're trash-tweeting the award all day on Monday. I just and, don't care. Uh, I know, but th- there are good people out there trying to do good work, okay? There are good people on both sides, Stephen, all right? Um, the JT well, Daniels... Like doing, like, charity work somewhere? Not working for the Heisman Trust. JT Daniels will be a subplot in a conversation on this show. Uh, I think no matter what happens at Georgia, we'll talk about some of the playoff matchups and, of course, how did Bama pull the upset in Atlanta. We'll do that um, as well. And maybe Stephen will be, you know, chill out about Cincinnati now that the system is obviously not rigged for the Bearcats. Nope. Hold your tongue. You'll have your chance to speak on that issue. Mitch Light will be our guest from The Athletic. He's going to talk Cruton as well as a little bit of Bama and Georgia in the playoffs. We'll get to him a little bit later on from The Athletic. Wonderful man. Uh, Aaron and I used to work with him at uh, Athlon Sports as well. Before we do any of that, however, Aaron Dugan. Fringe Element is brought to you by.
1: Jaspers. In fact, my brother inspired me to um, do a Nantucket style poem for this week's ad. What the hell is that? You know, like, there Dude, once is a, a man from Nant- Nantucket. From Nantucket. Uh, okay. But it doesn't end with that. <clears throat> Here it is. Hmm. We did it on the fly. I did it about two minutes ago. So don't judge too hard, Let's especially you, Godfrey.
2: Nope, I'm good.
1: Brian Kelly is a man who used Jaspers to fit in his new town much faster. He stole Creole rolls, changed accents, I suppose. Is this another sign of disaster? Not bad. That's not bad. Thank you. That's we so were in two minutes. That's ago. good. Yeah, it's not yeah, too that's... bad.
0: What does it have to do with Jaspers?
1: Um, he stole Creole Rolls to fit in, just like changing his accent.
0: Yeah, I, I like it. Okay, I think you okay. did a good job. All right, so it has Incorporated to Incorporated Jas- food.
1: It's timely, yeah. it's not that good, but
0: proud of you. No, it's very good. It's solid, solid writing. It has to do with Jasper's, and it has to do with one of the topics on the show today. That's all very good, Aaron. That's cute, Brayden. Thank
1: you. Thank look what, you so ha- much. what happens when you prepare. <laughs> I'm never doing it again. <laughs> that was very good.
0: That was very good. Go to Jasper's, the parking is free, the food is amazing. Uh, and of course uh, it is the next evolution of the sports bar. That's why they got all the great happy hour specials and all the great uh, menu items that keep continuing to evolve. All right. Um, so number one, Alabama, number two, Michigan, number three, Georgia, number four, Cincinnati, the Bearcats, the first group of five team, I guess we'll, I, I'm not going to use the, the metaphor that everyone's using uh, about the ceiling, but they are in the playoff and they are not a power five team. And so, Steven, I want you to have your space and your time to say what you need to say here. I mm-hmm. want to make, I want to bring up one point about the point spread and about the outcome of the game potentially. Just because the point spread is 13 and a half or 14 points, and just because hypothetically Alabama could win easily, let's say if that happens, I'm not rooting for it, by the way, if that happens, I don't want to hear that's why Cincinnati shouldn't have gotten in. These are mutually exclusive things. You can be worthy of getting in. And also get your ass kicked. I just want to make sure I put that out there on the front end so that people aren't thinking, Oh, this is why you shouldn't have put them in. I don't want to hear any of that crap. Cause I don't think those things are related. Is that a fair point? Well, I don't know of any program you could put in at the four right now that you wouldn't have that reaction about
2: the idea that there's an entire group of people or media or just whatever fans that think that it should be, I don't know, Baylor or Notre Dame. I mean, this, would you then turn around and not favor Alabama by as many points or close to it? So it doesn't, you know, that argument doesn't really hold any validity to me because it is Alabama. I think the fact that Cincinnati the four seed is, is disappointing. Um, but, you know, explain,
0: explain, explain that to me on an sec show.
2: <laughs> uh, they, because the entire committee worked to avoid the championship game that we just saw just rematching it. That's it. That's the whole
0: you you that, think that, that Cincinnati's it. resume and or more deserving or better by the eye tech. Pick a metric. Well, seeds are totally arbitrary. The seeds have always been arbitrary. You can go back and see
2: conflicting logic throughout the seed pairings, especially when you get away from one. You talk about two and three and four, since they've been doing this. You know, some years it's one one area of emphasis, some years it's another. It's always been bespoke for them to try and align matchups for television reasons. This is no different. I think Cincinnati, like if, if, if they would have excluded Cincinnati, which they had, and it would have obviously been like a capital crime level, you know, that one I think would have actually drawn the interest of outside parties, like as in Congress, uh, because you're getting into antitrust law. The movement of Cincinnati to the four prevents a one four matchup that we just saw. That's why they did it.
0: But, Putting, but, but, okay, hang on.
2: Georgia was an absolutely awful team against the best opponent they'd seen all year
0: absolutely terrible you, you think that you think cincinnati forget all the arbitrary movements in various years and all the stuff you just said mm-hmm. take that to use your brain you're telling me you think cincinnati is a better football team than than georgia what happened the last time they played each other uh without any, three with,
1: in the peach bowl
0: without wow. any of their without any of their best players without any of their best players on both sides i might add vastly different team huh What
1: what just does two two that have
0: there. to do with this year It has zero to do with this year. Also, telling you right now, none of the best players
2: played for either team. (laughs) There's, there is no golf. There's barely a delta between Georgia and Cincinnati. I'm just telling you right now. They, they moved the game. Georgia should be the two.
0: Georgia should be the two seed. Georgia should be the four seed if they should be in at all. Notre Dame's better than Georgia right now. So they are okay. Aaron, help me understand Stephen here because I need some help here. So they are Mm -hmm. unequivocally. By by st- every single possible metric, the Georgia Bulldogs are unequivocally the best team in the entire country for the entirety of the season, mm-hmm. based on every single possible way you can cut or slice a football team. And because Bryce Young and Alabama beat them, absolutely embarrassed. They, they are now, yeah, worse than Cincinnati. <laughs> when you Steven, get into I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to you, Aaron. Okay, do you, do you agree? Go ahead, disagree, make. What do you think about this?
1: Godfrey's stance feels a little harsh to me right now. Um, I, I hear think, that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is going to be first time for you. Um, th- the matchup against Alabama is not what I was expecting. Although I never discredit what Alabama may or may not be able to do, especially once Nick Saban has you know once he's played you that one time that year and he, he has his own notes on you, not just watching film from other teams. I mean, you can't put much past him. Um, I, I think saying that Georgia, if they should be in at all, is, is not fair. I mean, I, I don't know how, how that would be fair. What Braden said statistically. And then, I mean, this has been the only, only sign of that all season.
2: Well, I think because we saw a sign of it when we did. Is very telling. And, Timing and, is
1: bad. I agree. Well, that's,
2: I'm using the committee's words. The committee has told, the committee has literally told us before lose early, don't lose late. They basically lost in what it amounts to be a playoff semifinal game in, in our current sport. All right. Now, what I want you to do, just as a thought exercise, if you think I'm crazy, I want you to write down the three or four things that made Georgia the best team in the country all year. Just, you don't have to do it right now. Just think about it in your head, right? Defense, front seven, stifling amount of points allowed, right? Ability to control game. All right. Go through it. Did they do any of that at any point against Alabama against a team that Derek Mason's Auburn defense absolutely destroyed, destroyed an offensive line that could not sustain a scoring drive until the last, what, 90 seconds against a terrible Auburn team by comparison? I'm just asking. I I think
0: you have. What about a, championship a, caliber think... did you see against with Georgia on Saturday? That's not the committee's job is to not evaluate. That's literally game. their job. No, their job is not to evaluate one game. I think you have an ax to grind and I think you are, there's being no outland- ax. I'm, I'm saying, so now outlandish. what's, so what, no, 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 no best, hang on, hang on, the hang best on. Thing Michigan on. No, hang on. Michigan beat Rutgers by seven. They beat a bad, mediocre Nebraska team by three. Like mm-hmm. I can go down everyone's resume and say, look where they struggled. Look where they struggled. Look where they struggled. Cincinnati beat they lost somebody, to Michigan. State. Seven. Michigan. Right, exactly. I can say Cincinnati struggled yeah. here, here, here. Oh, they dicked around here. against Murray State. I can say all these things about all these different teams. The point yeah. is you your job as a committee, clean it, clean out it all and make it as simple as possible. Because I again I did not want to spend the first twenty minutes of this arguing about Work. This idea that Georgia should automatically be in and Notre Dame shouldn't be is just our
2: conditioned bias. It's what this it's what how, the product how you say last won in
1: such a dominating fashion all year. I know That's what you're saying, so because ridiculous. we have to watch this again. And they just, you know, got their ass kicked by Alabama. But Alabama also almost lost to Florida. Georgia absolutely destroyed Florida. Georgia shut people out. Sixty seven to nothing. I mean, over the course of the entire season. I mean, Notre Dame's sole
0: loss is against two. None, none of us, a playoff team. none of us gave Georgia a chance last week. And that's our fault. We were wrong. Congratulations to the greatest coach of all time for doing something special. You mean none of us gave Bama a chance last week? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah,
2: right.
1: okay. okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The sorry. rat poison sorry. was
0: delicious.
2: We, yes. They, they enjoyed a, it. Th- he said
1: yummy, by the way. Bite. And I it, never... It's just- I want was to very hide under a bed. Did you ever think that? Saban was gonna say the word yummy? Yeah, ever. no, it
0: just it, it is it is unnerving to
2: hear. I hated that.
1: that. Hated that.
0: It is full grandpa mode. Like it's how yeah. he talks to his ki- like his grandkids, and it really it's just with you scares guys. Me. It makes your skin <laughs> your skin crawl. But yeah. but but again, the the I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> we are all We're talking about quality of I'm I am now completely be, be, be. bought in
2: after a week and looking at George and going,
0: Oh, 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 okay. Absolutely. There's no way you are being fair about that. There's no way you're being fair to Georgia. There's just no possible way. They, I just don't. They, I, they beat, I'm, I'm they now beat looking back and I'm like, oh, okay. They, they beat ranked opponents and covered three touchdowns. Everybody
2: beats ranked opponents. If you're in the top eight, top 10, that's the whole point of being there. That means nothing to me. I'm just, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I am now completely bought in. I'm like, oh, it's jo- Georgia. Oh, jo- Georgia. So, so
0: is it? Okay. Aaron, and what did I
2: say in week one about that offense
0: and Aaron, what happened? What happened, Uh, Aaron? Let me ask you this. Do you think this is more of Stephen's inner cynical nature of being in the business or his inner I'm from the state of Georgia? Which one is it more or is it the two of them together that's causing him to act like this?
1: I think it's more the former. What do you think it is, Godfrey? I'm just
2: looking over the stellar, the stellar lineup of wins now. Missouri. The beat, Ar- Arkansas coach. was
1: ranked 22 when they beat them 37 to nothing.
2: They- and honestly, Aaron, it's funny. You mentioned that because where you was go this through- last
0: week, Stephen? Where was this last week? Because if you were, here's, here, I'll where tell you this why last week, if they were here, so terrible, because you're you on your way to a
2: coronation because you're on your way to a coronation and you beat the one program that's been more consistent than anything. Maybe we've ever seen in American sports. When you think about the variables involved and what college football does in terms of like, Almost imposing inconsistency. What Alabama's been able to do under Saban really trumps anything. There's no run of the Yankees or the Montreal Canadians or whatever. They were on their way to a coronation and they they waited until the last possible minute to show exactly who they are. And so now, with all of that in mind and the inability to scheme up and play a good quality opponent, why should I, in this hypothetical scenario in which I'm on the committee, put that team with a total, total inability and consistent display? of what Dominance. they do in big games under Dominance. Kirby smart. Why would I put them in the playoff? Notre Dame has a better shot.
1: However, Notre Dame is a better shot. Seen, against Michigan. We haven't seen, we haven't seen all the pieces come together like they did for Alabama this past weekend.
2: Why? But Much. Aaron, my question is why we're talking
0: about maybe the
1: single greatest this-
0: change in an offensive line that I've ever seen. Okay. This is an interesting topic. This is a far more interesting discussion. And number one, so are you, they saying have, you
1: think they've been holding out?
0: Mm-mm. No, number one, I they didn't have, think Georgia was that unprepared. They, they had the number one greatest coach of all time. The number one, best offensive player in the entire country and Georgia to Stevens point had, this is a big moment where they wet the bed. And I think they knew they were in the playoff and I'm not suggesting, because here's what I hear. Here's what well, we're, they were in the playoff because here's, of the way it's set up. Here's what we find out though, because we can prove you right or wrong on this. When they beat Michigan and then beat Alabama, you will have to apologize. I, You know what? I will do that. Absolutely. I'll do because that. You, do you think this team's going to beat Michigan or Alabama? I think they're going to hammer Michigan, and I think they have a very good chance because we've seen Kirby Smart after getting abused, three weeks later, come back and make unbelievable adjustments and dominate a team that just dominated him weeks earlier. And that's the end of the 2017 season where Auburn beat the tar out of them on the Plains. And then he came back. And they beat the shit out of Auburn in well, the same championship Auburn. game. And they got to the national title. I'm not suggesting. But if you're holding up, like, this is the only thing Georgia shall be judged by. How they beat Alabama. They have to play Alabama in the national title. Well, we're going to find out what Cincinnati can do against Alabama. So, again, this is a silly. This is The, the more interesting discussion is, what did Alabama do to Georgia? Take away the history of all the, the cynical stuff you're talking about. What did they specifically do on the field in that game to win? And can Kirby Smart correct it? Does it affect who wins that who, who were picking to win the national championship? Because the narrative has completely changed and you didn't tell us to this is how you felt last week. You didn't say, oh, well, nobody stuff.
2: saw this coming. No one saw this coming. There's no way right. you could have said going into this game that Alabama would be as effective as they would, as they were on the line specifically, especially coming out of the way Alabama went down the stretch. So it starts there. It's always, it's always the answer and it's always the, probably the worst thing for conversation in media. It's line play. All right. It's line play. It's line play. It's line play. It starts there, but then you get into the skill position players at Alabama. I think definitely, I mean, relative to some of the bigger games they played in this year, I think it's fair to call them ascendant or or they were playing on another level. You might say, I think that's fair to say, Aaron, definitely, especially at the
1: quarterback position. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the fact that we had such a stark Um, thing to compare it to watching them struggle so much against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. It was, you're right, this could not have been predicted. Um, things just clicked, and it wasn't just the line, it was, um, it was a lot that, but just everything just I think that needed to click, and that was the biggest thing just kind of did. And what do we think that Nick Saban, uh, what do we think changed about like if we're thinking practice, what do we think happened different? between Auburn and Georgia. That's what I can't really wrap my mind around is how, how, what a stark difference it was and what are they doing at practice to change that?
2: So maybe all week everyone said very boastfully and beating their chest about it. Oh, they're 2011, Alabama, they're 2011, Alabama. Maybe just Alabama went, Oh, they're 2011, Alabama. We know what that is. We invented it.
0: We're always going to be better at it than they are. You're talking about Georgia was saying that all year. Like we're 2000. No no, 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 no. Everyone
2: was saying that about Georgia all year. No, yes. About what Georgia what was 2011 yes. Alabama. And I, one thing I have been saying all year, Hey guys, aren't you a little bit worried about how reductive this offense is? Okay. Hey guys, aren't you a little bit worried about the fact they're not asking the quarterback to do much of a damn thing, right? Because they don't have to, Oh, I got on here. After Jordan Davis was running and blocking and doing all this goal line stuff, and they're triple blocking guys for QB sneaks and going, oh, well, maybe they just want to be big, dumb, and reductive. Bottom line is, you don't win a national title that way because you run into a team that has the athleticism and the talent that you do in the trenches, but also has the ability to out scheme you in modern football. This is what Alabama
0: learned almost a decade ago now. Yeah. that Now that I have eight uh, years, well, about
2: eight years ago, to, I would say to, seven or
0: eight years ago. To Aaron's point, like what actually happened? Num- number one, I don't think there's many. Like the way you beat Georgia. And this is why Michigan, I don't believe is going to win the game because you cannot, you have to attack Georgia in space. And Alabama has two unique creatures that can do that. And that is Bryce Young and Jamison Williams. What do you they do also, against Ohio state? They also don't, those guys are great. And I would actually argue Ohio state's better than Cincinnati and belongs at four, but that's not what you want to oh. hear. <laughs> that, that's not what you want to hear. So I also don't, I thought we were punishing people for losing football games. I thought that was the whole point of a postseason. I'm I'm totally fine with Ohio State being out. I have no problem with it. I I would hope so. They got embarrassed. I'm not making that argument, but if you told me that Ohio State and Cincinnati were playing right now on a neutral field for a national title, I would put everything I own on Ohio State. So let's just do 32 teams. Let's just have the Super League. (laughs) Let's move on from that. I agree with what you're saying. One of the best matchups I have been campaigning for all season was Georgia's defense against Ohio State's offense because yes. of that exact thing, because of what you're talking about. At great athlete at quarterback, great arm, unparalleled arm with elite athletes in space and a good scheme. That's that what that's really hard to beat no matter who you are. So the We also is, had
2: that conversation before the Michigan-Ohio State game, and I would now challenge you to find the ways in which you couldn't answer Georgia by doing the things that you, – you can find the answers to
0: Georgia in the way that Michigan worked against Ohio State. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I don't. I, I. don't know if that game plan works on, on from from an entire roster standpoint. It, maybe it's possible. It may, maybe Harbaugh just totally out, out and out schemes Kirby Smart. Certainly, it wouldn't be the first time it's happened to Georgia. Um, I don't necessarily dis- disagree with all of that. But the the J T Daniels through line through all of this is is fascinating to me because whether Kirby Smart plays him or not, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a big story, and. I have a hard time and Mitch Light will say this a little bit later on in the show. I have a hard time believing that if they thought JT Daniels was better, that they wouldn't play him. Like I, I have a hard time believing that if a football coach thought. I would have a hard time believing that with Alabama.
2: I would, I don't have a hard time believing it with as reductive conservative and just sort of uh, the amount of inertia that I've seen in Kirby smarts management of an offense, all the way back to the Justin Fields problems. Like this is, this is his MO now. This, so this is, is all on is. Kirby. This entire thing is on Kirby. Well, they have the athletes. I think rivals are two, four, seven or whoever you want to check. Like they have the, af- the athletes, they have the offensive coordinators. I know the coaches, like I've interviewed those coaches, all the guys that are in there doing offensive game plan. This reminds me a lot of when Josh Gaddis got to Ann Arbor, right about the time, like Shay Patterson was there. And it was like, well, this this isn't right. This doesn't, this is not what they've hired Josh Gaddis to do. And then over time, Harbaugh relented. And one of the reasons that we're talking about Michigan in the playoff at all is because they let their offense modernize and they changed the way that they did stuff. Fundamentally Kirby has not done that. Look, why do they call it 2011 Alabama? Why do they call it that? Because they don't do it anymore. Well, why don't they do it anymore?
1: That's so what I'm asking think. because so- it doesn't work anymore.
0: Well, jo- Josh Gaddis also had like never met Jim Harbaugh when he took that job, which is fascinating. But
1: I'm with you on the evolution- the evolutionary part of this and the importance of that. I will also say before we move on, well, go ahead, Braden. No, no. Um, there is something to be said. There is a sweet balance you have to strike between losing confidence by losing to or almost losing to teams, or mm-hmm. what Alabama had, which was being forced to pull out every stop they had multiple times this season and being really questioned and challenged. I think that fell in their favor at this point in the season against Georgia, a team who hasn't had to use, hasn't faced the adversity Alabama's faced, hasn't faced the criticism from the media and has a lot to lose where Alabama for once (laughs) has honestly everything to gain, which the where how these things stacked up. So I, I think that Alabama really having to absolutely pull out everything they had long before this Georgia matchup uh, fell in their favor.
0: I can be on board I mean, with I, that.
1: Yeah, I could buy. Why, yeah, why I, is Michigan? Parts of
0: tell me why Michigan is more evolved right now than Georgia on offense. Cause I don't, I mean, they're, they're running the ball 52 times a game. I know it's creative and I know there's some innovative stuff there with like, you know, Hey, we're going to toss it to Edwards or whatever, but the like, best thing that could happen for Georgia is that if Michigan tries to run the ball
2: 52 times,
0: but tell me what, I, I, give me something specific about Michigan's offense that is quote unquote evolved. That Georgia's offense, who, by the way, was third in the nation in yards per play and like all this stuff, like all this efficiency Mm -hmm. metrics and, you know, Stetson Bennett, all these efficiency metrics. Like what, what is it about Michigan's offense? I will say this this part part
2: of the problem with efficiency metrics is when the defense is constantly handing you the fields that Georgia gets, you are bound to be more efficient by comparison. All right. That's I'm not saying we shouldn't look at advanced stats. I'm in favor of advanced stats, but I am saying that these are how you hide the lies. And no, I don't think it, I don't think George, I think Georgia's offense is probably in the worst possible place because one of the things you said, Braden, you talked about, you know, I, I don't trust Kirby Smart's evaluation of like flipping a quarterback mid game the way that we famously saw Saban do it with Hertz and, and Tua. However, I, I maybe you're right about JT Daniels. And if that's the case, Michigan could easily afford to do the things that Alabama did to confuse and stutter them and him specifically. And then get creative with the running game. Because here's the other thing we're not talking about, too. Georgia's front seven was abysmal. I'm not talking about they got beat physically. I am talking about that. I'm not talking about they got beat in space. It's that, too. It's literally every way that you could evaluate a defense of that caliber whose ass we kissed all year, who then saw a playoff caliber team in Alabama. They were bad fundamentally. and They were bad in the scheme. Dan Lanning's scheme sucked. They were bad in the execution of the scheme. They were bad in the physicality.
0: I thought these were the these were the murderers. Well, which is which is why I like them to to bounce back, frankly, because they're going to spend a, a, a month hearing that. Um, but I, here's the difference with Michigan. To spin the conversation forward quickly here, so we can have sort of some quick thoughts on the playoff. I I think that Michigan absolutely has the dudes on defense to completely mess up Georgia. no yes. no, no, no question about that. I, I think Ajabo and Hutchinson. I think those guys can absolutely do that. I, I do not think Cade McNamara and whoever have, have the ability to do what Bryce Young – I think Bryce Young and Mitt Williams are just that special. That's it. I just don't think you can – Nick Saban's not coaching, Bryce Young's not playing quarterback, and Jameson Williams is not catching passes for Michigan. I don't think they've got the same offensive personnel that Alabama does to do what they did to Georgia. That, that's that's – I'm not saying Alabama's not going to do it again. Alabama didn't have the personnel coming out of the Iron Bowl to do what they did they didn't i don't know williams and and young have been pretty good all year (laughs) where were they i mean where were they down the stretch because i'm looking they they won the game-winning drive
1: (laughs) well i mean and the bryce young was you know not getting sacked over and over so that helps too
2: (laughs) why wasn't he getting sacked like i just look no i know some of this i can't i can't believe like yeah they were a non-issue. They were embarrassing as this, defense. This, this, Braden, was
1: that one of my simple sentences?
0: <laughs> you got it right. I mean, again, I, I we are all in agreement that like this made no sense. It was alarming. It should be extremely concerning. What I don't want to get be, become be guilty of is automatically assuming that it's going to happen again. These I can't.
1: I know I can't. I can't go there. Godfrey feels a lot more confident about it. I. We should all be confused by what happened on Saturday, which should make everyone very hesitant to have a strong opinion about what would happen with these two teams again in a national title game.
2: That's all you think. Do you think that if they get back and they see Alabama, that they're going to do much different?
1: I think you, Georgia would. Well, I mean, I think it's possible
2: because now you're talking about chess. You're not talking about Jimmy's and Joe's because you know, the personnel, you're not talking about anything other than
0: scheme against scheme. And who do you, who do you trust? Who are you I, betting on in that situation? Well, I, again, uh, no no question. Like no question there. I I again. I'll go. Old Possum back. got their ass pad last I'll week. Go, you I'll bet on back. him one more time against him. <laughs> I, I'll go. Uh, depends on what the number is. Uh, I'll go. I'll go back to s- watching not watching a Kirby Smart Georgia to the last time I saw a Kirby Smart Georgia team be completely abused along the line of scrimmage defensively was. The Auburn game on the road in 2017 and he came back with a different scheme three weeks later and beat the tar out of Auburn and I'm not suggesting that's Bryce Young or that's Nick Saban I'm not I know it's Gus and I know like I'm not saying that it's a- apples to apples here I'm just saying we do have proof that he's been able to change the dynamic of a matchup within a couple of weeks after being physically abused by a football team that's got pretty good athletes. Auburn has G-O pretty or, good athletes. Do G-O you know where Josh Gattis was a co-OC before Michigan? Was he
2: at Penn State? He was at Alabama. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there.
0: In
1: 2018.
0: I know
2: he was there at Penn State. Is so. at
1: least one... There is at least something intangible about what happened between Alabama's performance in the iron bowl and what we just saw from them on Saturday. So that being said, headspace definitely has something to do with this. Nick Saban talked about them like delicious rat poisoning, whatever. George is about to experience that a lot. Um, so maybe there is, I don't think headspace can fix the discrepancy we saw on Saturday, but if some other things fall into place too, I can't, I can't be too sure.
0: We take a break from the regularly scheduled argument on the fringe element podcast to remind you that it is brought to you by
1: Jaspers. It's
0: It's brought to you by Jaspers.
1: Let's turn it up. Jasper's stirring you up a big bowl.
0: (laughs) Of Brian Kelly gumbo. Of
1: Brian Kelly homemade gumbo. I don't. You all right?
0: You have an okay day? You're right.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I like doing a good job on these and I, my brain is a very random place, but sometimes even I run out of random shit to say.
0: Well, you're you're a big. I guess I could
1: actually do a real ad.
0: <laughs> well, that would require us though to like write down a script and actually like read the words to you, but then it's not us just naturally promoting Jaspers the way we love Jaspers because. What if we love Jaspers because it's a great place to go hang out? It's the neighborhood bar. It's the next evolution of the bar. It's free parking. It's great food. Uh, they don't make us read a script like a corporate suit (laughs) would
1: clearly don't make us do anything (laughs)
0: right because that but that would also be antithetical to what they believe in as a sports bar
1: so i've had a change of heart and now i'm going to actually just talk about jasper's in a loving way unscripted and see, okay jasper's is located on west end avenue in the heart of downtown nashville it's a beautiful white painted brick building with a nice hexagonal window keeping in that area of the front of the restaurant, their grab and go market filled with all sorts of delightful Nashville memorabilia, as well as grab and go snacks and has a, and a wide array of different seating and dining experiences ranging from their formal dining room to their hexagonal bar and their um, game room and everything in between um, adorned with loving and generous staff, (laughs) friendly faces, a slew of delicious drinks and always the top gourmet menu written and written and created by Deb Paquette.
0: First of all, folks, she did all of that off the top of her head. So very impressive. Yay. Number two, what I see your brain doing is the voiceover on a bunch of really nice B-roll of the restaurant. Like that's what (laughs) I say. That's what I see you talking over.
1: Maybe I should give them that for Christmas. I'll just go film them a little payroll so, video of the restaurant and voice over it and be like, "Sorry for everything."
0: <laughs> I I don't think they would hate that idea.
1: <laughs> I don't think they would either. Um,
0: that was wonderful. That was quite nice. And um, you know, if we were your average show, and and you know, Jasper's was an average bar, then they would settle for just sort of like a standard, you know, read about the restaurant and say nice things. Because, but they're not, and we're not. So we do it, ironically.
1: <laughs> they let us do whatever we want.
0: <laughs> but that's just, what makes them cool because they're irreverent.
1: They really are cool.
0: That's what makes them great. And that's why you should go to Jasper's. So the, not just because the food and the happy hours and, oh, by the way, gift cards for Christmas, a $100 gift card for $80. You get a $20 gift card for yourself. It's like you give them 80 bucks and they give you 40 and then you give 100 to somebody else. And it's all quite nice. It's They, they do so many great things for the national community. I hate when you
1: try to do math,
0: I, I, I that was perfect math. I'm not a big quantum physics guy though, so I, I, I but I can do PEMDAS. All right, don't mess with <laughs> my PEMDAS.
1: Das. I can't
0: P stands for parentheses. What's what E stand for? Uh, equals
1: <laughs> you're an idiot, it's exponent. <laughs> I
0: know. I think, they, thank you. <laughs>
1: you didn't know, you did not know.
0: Go PEMDAS, do it
1: parentheses, exponent, multiplication, division addition subtraction
0: there you go go to jasper's everybody and Wherever. go to
1: vanderbilt <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't think they teach PEMDAS at vanderbilt <laughs> no
1: we skip that part
0: <laughs> yeah you just go right to the <laughs> quantum physics part uh go to jasper's right, everybody to it's, all a, of it. it's a great place to go we've got obviously a couple of other episodes before we get to the final games and actually make you know Start breaking down the, the the teams. I do want to look at the, the actual matchups. We talked a little bit about Georgia and Michigan already. Um, I just don't think Michigan has the, the 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 pieces, the personnel to capitalize the way Alabama did on Georgia. Uh, what's interesting is Cincinnati actually has some unique personnel, especially at corner in particular. That they've got an NFL corner that could lock up Jamison Williams. I I will openly shill and root for Cincinnati to win this game. I, I will I would openly shill for them to win the game. I I don't see how they do it. I can't come up with a matchup. Are you asking me to to sort of create this possibility? Well, initial thoughts on a initial thoughts on the second and third most important football games of our season, folks, on a college football podcast. Um, yeah, what
2: I, he's I, saying, I, are you saying are you
1: asking him to draw it up?
2: It's definitely possible. I mean, I, th- I think it's, it, it's, it has to be the thing that you're telling me that Georgia is going to do positively. Alabama has to do negatively. So what you mm-hmm. have to figure out right now is, is Alabama ascending and is Georgia declining? And I believe both of those things, if that's the case, I don't see it as a situation in which Cincinnati, especially defensively is going to be able to hold serve long enough to stretch drives out and, beat them the way that they win games there. I don't think they can do it. I don't think they're going to get blown out necessarily. I just don't think they're going to be able to win the game doing that. However, I believe that as much as I believe this is Georgia with sort of a giant wound in the gut and it's a slow bleed out because what they put on tape, mainly it's it's honestly what these two teams put on tape too. So I would say that, yeah, I mean putting, they definitely gave Cincinnati the worst possible situation, which I, I kind of expected, but that doesn't matter. You go in and you play the game. I definitely think we're going to see Alabama and Michigan
0: in the final. Ooh, I like that. I think that would be nice to see new blood. I just don't see Michigan doing it, but maybe you're right.
1: For (laughs) this to even... Well, then
0: Alabama beats Michigan. (laughs)
1: For for this Cincinnati-Alabama matchup, in my mind, to even be a game, I mean, hopefully it's a game the whole time, but even to be a game in the first half, I think would probably come down to what... Um, what Cincinnati has at cornerback and maybe what Alabama, I mean, they have Alabama has so many weapons, but missing John Mechie and then the two since he has what Kobe Bryant and Amog Gardner at corner, which are both, I mean, they're both outstanding players. So things would have to go wrong for Alabama on the receiving end. Although I'm not saying they can't pivot and run the ball. And then things would have to go really right for Cincinnati on defense for it to even in my mind, to be close at the end of the first half
2: and, and have a really, I agree with everything that Aaron just said and have a really clean game
0: on offense for
2: Cincinnati. Yes, as you well, can't turn the not, ball
1: over. You have right. no opportunity for it. It's not I a agree. given,
0: which is not a given. So, I, I do, I do love uh, Jerome Ford. He's been exceptional all season, of course, former Alabama player. Um, but he and Ritter have to be, to your point, they have to be near perfect on, on offense. And they, those two guys are super talented, man. Um, they're super talented. I just think, and this will transition us quickly, I guess, into um, I, a, a conversation about a word I know you don't care about. But I, I do think Will Anderson's the best football player in America. <laughs> so that is what Jerome Ford and, and Desmond Ritter are going to have to deal with. Um, yeah. when, it, when it comes to the matchup, is there anything I could do or say, Steven, that would have you sit up in your chair and, and, and maybe soften your heart and soul a little bit and just no. say, Oh, I'm glad to hear that some voters are out there trying to do the right thing with an no, award It, it, it matters a all, lot to n- me. No, this matters a silly. lot to
2: me. It's so. all marketing nonsense and it's people getting paid and getting their bonuses for hitting like marketing goals. I heard Dan Wetzel say all this on the radio this morning. And I was like, Oh man, I got to text him. It's been a while. Dan Dan wait, is also wait, wait. In, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? I don't get paid extra to talk about the highs not you. I'm talking about people in the industry to promote these things. There's a whole sub economy of of like bonuses attached to names that get award recognition and all that stuff. Not us in the for media. The, for the media? The other
0: people in the industry.
2: No, all of the people in the college football industry. Like this is like, a cottage. This is a literal cottage industry. Like Jim, meaning Harbaugh's that it this
0: is all going to charity or whatever. You're saying like bonus, bonus. No, I'm not talking about coach bonuses going to charity. I'm talking about people who
2: work in marketing making money and the events that are held. Like it's just, it's fine. Uh, okay. Just do it on your own time. Get a coach to vote. I don't need to do that. I think it compromises integrity. I also think it's a farce to evaluate the best player in college football by our dumb asses. I don't understand it. I don't I like I, just, I don't it's just, not a personal thing I've just always just looked hurtful. at it and I'm like this is dumb like and also the, the,
1: the, the answer that they hurt.
2: arrive at year in and year out Which is, is my also
1: my job
2: <laughs> sorry Aaron
1: yeah
2: you're stealing Aaron's job <laughs> we'll so just so pick days feelings. on the calendar <laughs> we'll pick days on the calendar uh um, so so like again l- let me be like the, how are you gonna the, do that whole Will Anderson thing and then you're like oh no but it's great
0: Let let me be let me be the 11 year old then and say look I think it's a it's something that meant a lot to me, has always meant a lot to me. I feel completely qualified to evaluate football talent on when it says, who do I think was the most outstanding player? Do I think that voters can be better and should be better and need to work harder? A hundred percent. I'm okay with like some of what you're saying here. I just think that some of sports is still enjoyment and entertainment and no finding doubt. great players. I had two defensive, I can't tell you who I put on my ballot, but I had two defensive players. Why? At one, at Are one they going to
2: kick your door
0: in? What? Why? Why
2: can't you tell
1: us? Well,
0: you're just, you're in the media. Us, they've asked us not to, and out of respect, I'd like to I'm fine. That's the first thing if they ever fine were waiting. to hand me a ballot, I'd live stream that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why they're never gonna do it. Well, and then you'd never get it again. They would take it away from you. They've actually taken oh, it no. away from a number of people. I'm I'm not suggesting people are perfect here, I'm just saying I can do I can do something that I feel like is the right thing to do. And I have two defensive players on my ballot that okay. I had to choose between. And there are two guys that I think are that check every box of what I believe personally as a 12 year old kid, the Heisman trophy stands for not some marketing person's bonus, not some award show TV ratings grab. I like the truest, most like genuine form of the award is why I take the time to vote for it. That's it. Okay. It's it's, that's that, that, that's incredibly noble. And I wish you
2: all the pleasure in the world pursuing something that makes you happy. They're just going to throw it at whatever number one team's skill position players out there.
0: That's not do it
2: every, they do it every
0: fucking year. I mean, like, so I can, I can agree with you and say that's wrong. And then also change the the world from the inside, Aaron. Are you going to change it? One, one vote at a time. Okay. Here's the thing I've talked to a lot. Here's the thing though. I've talked to a lot of voters. There's a lot of people that wanted to vote for defensive players and did vote for defensive players this year.
1: It's crazy that some, me- I'm not saying all media, but I've read thing something today that said, you know, if Bryce, if Bryce Young doesn't win this, it'll be the biggest upset and like, you know, recent highs. I mean, however long, whatever they said, which is crazy. I don't have a strong opinion about this either way. I'm gonna let you two duke it out. But the, the different. Where we went from really talking two or three weeks ago about this is the year. If we're if you want to have maintained belief or faith in the Heisman process, and I would have loved to see a defensive player when we were all talking about this two or three weeks ago, like this is going to be the year if this is going to happen. And then two weeks later, we're at the point where a lot of mainstream media is saying if Bryce Young doesn't win this, it'll be the biggest upset. Right in whatever well, modern right. i'm like how do we go from this to i'll this? tell you why i get it no, because Aaron, i've seen Aaron, you him play
0: to, you, you have to also separate like upset meaning vegas odds upset versus the right thing
1: true to do upset those are two true and everybody when you're watching bryce young play it it's very yeah. hard to deny what he's been able to do he, i mean he's incredible so if I he doesn't it.
2: win it also means a, a significant amount of ballots were sent in before they were supposed to be too
1: that's so, a good now, point. Now that so,
0: again, I would I would I would that's re- interesting and a good if, point. If I were in charge, I would remove your vote if you voted before the final games. If why Bryce did I young, why did if Bryce I let young you vote early,
1: I've always wondered that.
0: That's stupid. Sports writers are dumb and lazy. Well, there's a big chunk of them that, that are definitely that way. Aaron, you said you had a couple of questions about this process. This is the time to to ask them.
1: What do you intentionally try? What is something that kind of comes up in your head that you intentionally try to put aside when you're trying to vote is there any like one nagging thing that you're like i don't want to think about that i don't want that to be part of my process
0: steven he, he's the Cheers. thing that i try to put to, to the side oh, like, oh. <laughs> like i physically take him out of my like because I, all i hear is his voice telling me how all these negative is. things and i'm just like you're like what's that nagging thing i want to remove from the process if bryce young doesn't even it's
2: if Bryce Young doesn't win, it's evidence that sports writers are lazier than we thought, which is because they turned they turned too many in early. And the fact that Will's not even there, like that's evidence that they don't know football. So, like, I'm good either way. <laughs> My point's proven.
0: You're, you're pro chaos. Um,
2: then Aaron, it's if not chaos. Out, it's just then, a shitty system. If you yeah, figure Aaron.
1: out that sports writers are lazy and then you go back and look at the majority of sports writers' genders, then by the transit of property – you can call men lazy, which is perfect. And, and, that's, and that's the transitive property. I believe Miss
0: Dugan is uh, onto something there. And I, don't, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but they're also the more emotional sex as well. Just,
1: that's <laughs> just want, the damn truth.
0: I just want to put that out there. Um, <laughs> the people who are responsible for wars, violent crime, and uh, uh, assault are, are the people who cannot control their emotions. Also the ones who get into fights after football games. Not, not normally the the ladies,
1: all of that. I've is seen it. I've inaccurate. seen it
0: once, but it was an NFL game. So I don't know if that
2: counts.
1: I did see a girl get her, her I've weave seen, snatched yeah. out of the football game once, but
2: I've been to a Raiders. Uh, I've been to a Raiders game. Yes. I have seen but women fight.
1: It's, it's men, women, football fans. And then Raiders is their whole own category. Yes.
0: <laughs> but the shotgun fights are generally between two men. Um, and don't sleep on the, the Niners either. That Bay area. Scary.
1: Wild. Scary. Okay, one more question for you, Braden. So looking at Georgia's defense and what just what this team's been able to do over the course of the year, I would have a month or so ago found it really hard to believe that there wasn't anyone from that Georgia team, even you know, in the final, in the finals for the Heisman. Do you think the how teams had to play against Jordan Davis affected his potential ability to be on that ballot just because teams were literally changed, were they changing their schema? it seemed like just to play him and did that keep him from having the opportunities he would need?
0: Well, and this, this speaks to Steven's point about like taking the time, being smart enough to study it and know what good and bad football really is and not just handing it to a skill player. The reason Jordan Davis doesn't have numbers is because he was double teamed the entire season. (laughs) And and that is part of what makes him a candidate in my mind. It's part of why I considered him uh, as now the one thing, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong on this, the one thing I will say will. about defensive players in Georgia, for Georgia in particular is that they do work together to make each other so much more difficult to stop. Yes. N'Kobe Dean, if you want to pick N'Kobe Dean, I'm fine with that. If you think he's the best, most outstanding player on that Georgia defense. If you think it's Jordan Davis that makes it all go, I'm okay with that too. I don't have a problem with either one of those two guys being the guy you think is the best player and most outstanding player. I think the way you make the case for both those guys is a little different,
1: but... Mm-hmm. But But it's hard to separate them is what you're saying because they are, they're instrumental to each other. So it's hard to give one of them something over the other. Yeah.
0: And even the other guys on the Georgia defense, like you could make a case for a couple of other players. Like that was the problem for me with, with Georgia's defensive players. Um, like Alabama's defensive play, like it's obvious who the best player is. For for Alabama on offense and defense.
1: Well, it's obvious who the best is. Is that why the quarterback that is that why this often I know historically Heisman skews in favor of the quarterback on one of the best teams in the country, but in it is different from most other positions in the sense that there is only one of them and they have to, in a sense, stand out.
0: It's and Steven, it's it maybe is lazy and boring that quarterbacks win it. It's also by far the most important position on the field. So there's there is some element of that now with Aiden Hutchinson he benefited from David Ajabo on the other side of his defensive line at Michigan. The the question I struggled with the most in general was between two players who I thought are basically even and accomplished roughly the same thing this season. One of them was far more consistent and productive and elite. The other one was far bigger in big games. So you can kind of probably figure out who I'm, who I decided on between the two that was the toughest part of the equation for me in this particular situation.
2: Uh, I think D line is really hard to parse anyways, just in general. So Mm -hmm. I think if you're talking about awards and national recognition, I mean, the only thing harder to me would be
3: trying to individually
2: recognizing a guard or, you know, a guard play, honestly, might be the hardest one in the field. Uh, So I think, especially with, you know, talking about Davis, like he's double team because that's the natural order of, of how you scheme in football. So, right. Um, distinguishing uh, performance for an individual award is going to be tricky. Uh, distinguishing performance in general, unless you are an expert at O-line and D-line is, is very hard to do. do.
0: Do you believe that sort of using all things is the appropriate approach? Like, what do you mean? Cause, cause I think a lot information of information wise yeah, just like, so it's the same way the committee in theory looks at a football team, right? It's sort of all things. It is how you controlled the game. It's your strength of schedule. It's the margin of victory. It's the talent. It's the coach. It's the it, it's, you know, sort of everything all encompassing. I think a lot of people go, oh, the it's always just the best player on the best team that wins the Heisman. And I would argue that's just actually not true at all, because otherwise, Tim Tebow, Robert Griffin, Lamar Jackson, a lot of these guys never would have won. I think occasionally we have a field where there's not a great candidate and Mark Ingram wins the Heisman. <laughs> and that is then lazy. And then we'll end last year bad voting on on this particular are we doing bad heisman
2: hang on let me get the list
1: (laughs) well i I don't get to vote but who would you vote for aaron i mean here's okay i I want to talk about brian kelly (laughs) i would have loved to see a defensive player win it because i feel like it would be a nice change of pace there are a lot of defensive standouts they are hard to define one for like taking them outside of the context of each other i think that when we look at the Heisman, the a, a player that's able to, in some ways, kind of sort of change the trajectory that his team could have been on, to me, speaks very loudly. And Bryce Young did do that. I mean, they wouldn't be where they – he's a big part – if of why they're even in this position. So when it comes down to one guy potentially changing the trajectory of where a team ends up in the postseason or their record at the end of the year, you know, I think that's pretty telling, but it's a lot of criteria to take into account.
2: Yeah. Troy Smith, Eric that's Crouch, about- Jason White. Okay. There's a couple of that. There's Mark, Mark Ingram. God, these are terrible.
0: That, that's I, I would probably agree with that list. That's four out of,
2: out of 25. I mean, last year they gave it to Devonte Smith just because they had nowhere else
0: to put the damn thing. Well, I I voted for Najee Harris because
2: yeah, thought-
1: that did get split on Alabama guys last year. Because
0: I thought, well, I thought I thought he's the one. He was the engine that drove that offense. Was and
2: and I then think- all year, and then every other year, I haven't mentioned basically is it's just this a a predominant statistical leader slash winner at quarterback. So I mean, it's so, sometimes- Burrow, Kyler, Baker, Lamar. Marcus Mariota, Jameis Manziel, RG three, Cam Newton—that takes us back a decade. So I, voted,
0: like, I voted for Deshaun Watson over
2: Lamar. A Jackson. behavioral
1: problems. In that list.
0: A lot of a lot of a lot of consternation for something that looks like pretty <laughs> damn easy to do. Yeah, no, I I agree, but I also think it's not everybody that's stupid and lazy. I think some people take it very seriously and work very hard to try to do the best job possible. And I, I think that you don't have to poo-poo me, uh, you know, my award on this. Okay, okay. Just well, I'm not you. I just think the process is so stupid. Um, all right.
1: Congra- anyways, congratulations to Bryce Young.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Roll Um, Brian Kelly, real quickly here, and we'll wrap up before we get to Mitch Light. But I, I just the the <laughs> the the family. Um, the only reason I thought the video was so hilarious, because I really didn't think it was as funny as the internet made it out to be. Um, it, it wasn't last,
1: that it, it wasn't, insane. but what
0: made it so funny it was- to me was I was our conversation about Brian Kelly sitting in living rooms, talking to recruits last week on this show.
1: <laughs> I've thought about and, that.
0: And we talked about that. And how does he make that adjustment from Brian Kelly Notre Dame to Brian Kelly LSU? And it certainly looked like he was trying something out <laughs>
1: Talks a, a little rally. slower and makes the a longer
0: at a pep rally. Um, are we making too much of this or is yes. there, or is there some actual it concern with how it's going to translate? I mean, the questions still stand about the cultural ability to walk into living rooms and recruit to LSU as Brian Kelly, right?
2: Um, you know, it's funny. I was, I, I could definitely tee off on him because I think it's, a, I don't, understand the hire on its face and he's going to be at a disadvantage for a while, but he did just, and I mean, like before we started recording hire Frank Wilson, which I think is a genius move. And and probably the first thing that has been associated with this hire that I've liked is, is him hiring Frank Wilson, who, if you don't know, uh, was basically the recruiting coordinator for both less miles. And for a while has a really good relationship with that Orgeron as well. I'm kind of shocked that Scott Woodward let him do it. Um,
0: Frank so has Texas, been an assistant Texas recruiting gangster, Louisiana, New Orleans in
2: Louisiana, right? Like no, he, he's from New Orleans. He's basically, I mean, his nickname is the King of New Orleans. Wasn't he, he on, uh, uh,
0: wasn't he the UTSA head coach?
2: <laughs> he was, that was his only, he, so what he did was he was basically in that sort of minority coach glass ceiling situation where he was the ACE recruiter, but he could never climb the ladder to get the actual head coaching job. So UTSA took a flyer on him after Coker and then he recruited well, it didn't work out. He went to McNeese to be back in his home state. And now he's kind of going right back to where he started. So Frank is everything about Louisiana that Brian Kelly is not. So
0: it's a good start. It's a very good start. Okay. All right. See, there we go. Should we just end on a positive note? Or are there other things we'd like to discuss? I'm good. Georgia sucks. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) See, you're doing the thing, though, that is actually the definition of lazy sports media, which is it's either black or white it's either right or wrong it's it's some end of the extreme or the other one day and then the next day it's the other way cool you did you dig up for next week the time that georgia's been in
2: a crucial situation in a major game with national implications and not been georgia
0: and i will um, wait the the rose bowl against baker mayfield mm. um what happened next week I, you just asked for one thing i gave you the answer don't congratulations on your nfc championship auburn auburn in the sec championship game there's another one and then what happened? I'm just saying they, they beat Oklahoma. That's
1: what I'm saying.
2: Maybe they're reversing His gar-goyle fortune.
1: voice.
0: Yeah, maybe they're reversing fortune by just chewing curb now. That's what I'm saying. It's all uh. it's all coming back around. It's all uh. coming back around. Hail to the <laughs> victors! Is, listen, a girl can dream. Um, for <laughs> when we come back, Stephen, good riddance. Thank you for hanging out with us. I when we come, when we come back to go. Mitch Light of the Athletics going to talk a little cruton when we return right here on Fringe Element. Mitch, always a pleasure, man. Love having you on the show. Good to see your face. Um, Let's just start with the game on Saturday in in Atlanta and just sort of what Alabama was able to do to Georgia. How surprised were you to see how that game unfolded, the job that Bryce Young did, and, and just a historically epic defense completely dissected?
3: Yeah, I mean, stunning. And I don't care. Who I mean, it's we all need to admit we were wrong. And if you picked Alabama, if you're unless you're a diehard Alabama fan and a true believer, you didn't pick Alabama. It just wasn't rational based on what we had seen this year. And it's not. And it's nothing. We're not. It's not an attack against Alabama to say it wasn't one of the best Alabama teams, or this isn't one of the best Alabama teams. An elite Alabama team doesn't need to go down on the wire at Auburn against a six and six Auburn team. This was a very good Alabama team that played an amazing game the other day, did stuff to a defense that we did not think was possible. I just looked this up. The 7.6 yards per carry, that yards per play that Alabama had, that's the most against a Kirby Smart defense since the Ole Miss game in the first month of his head coaching tenure in 2016. So it's just – it was – Incredible. Bryce Young was fantastic. And one thing we've learned, and this isn't rocket science or anything, in this new era, the past five or six years, these so-called super teams as Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, um, and then Georgia, what we've seen they don't have is they take really good rosters. And when you have got that great quarterback who plays a great game, that's what we have. And that's what happened. I mean, this was – it didn't – it's not exclusively Bryce Young was that much better than Stetson Bennett, but that was a big reason for the game. So all the credit to Alabama. Does this mean Georgia's dead? No, it doesn't. But one thing, Braden, this kind of reminded me of the 2018 Michigan Ohio state game. If you remember that season, Michigan opened the season with a 24 17 loss at Notre Dame after that played I think might've been Don Brown's first year played lights out defense, didn't give up 20 more than 21 points all year, like 250 yards a game. One of the best defenses we'd seen. And then Don, and then Ryan day as a coordinator, They just lit up Michigan with like 62 to 30, something like that. That, because I remember back in our Athlon days talking, going to that game, I I picked Michigan because that defense was so good. So these are the two most surprising games as far as not just the outcome, the margin of victory, the way it happened.
0: I think if you look at, I know Michigan fans would obviously rather play Cincinnati, um, but it's hard to sort of look at any particular metric and not say that Alabama is better than Michigan and deserves to be number one. I mean, you know, top forty wins, strength of schedule, statistical metrics, talent, quarterback, coach. It's it's really hard to argue for Michigan. So Bama gets the one seed. Georgia's the three seed. I'm, I don't really care yeah. who is two or three. It doesn't matter. It just changes the uniform color. Um, I, I listen. I, you're on, this this interview is on a podcast with Stephen Godfrey. Um, so we all are rooting openly for Cincinnati to cause chaos and to beat Alabama. They have some interesting NFL personnel in the secondary that could match up maybe with Jamison Williams. They're two touchdown underdog. Uh, what are your first thoughts? Just initial national championship, you know, you know, inclinations as you saw the bracket unfold
3: on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, no surprises. There was no debate. I, I saw some absurd and I, I get it. This is social media. It's Twitter. Everyone going to say stuff, but some people that I kind of respect, Hinting that hey, maybe Notre Dame, you know, let's look at this Notre Dame Georgia comparison. No, that's absurd. Georgia was <laughs> just because they lost the game badly doesn't take away from the fact that they were the best team in the country all season long. There's no revisionist history necessary. They were the best team in the country up until the other day. Uh, I, I Cincinnati has been great of late. I mid season I was kind of like okay, if you're this college football playoff team, you can't you got to play better against Navy. You can't when against Tulsa you can't rely on a fumble you know down the stretch so I was a little like okay I'm not sure they belong or whatever word you want to use but they played great down the stretch I know SMU was missing some dudes like there's some of their better players were hurt but they pounded SMU I watched a lot of the Houston game on my second screen last week uh, on Saturday and they 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 rose to the occasion so I think they belong in the playoff and we don't need to do like what what we do as a college football community is like Notre Dame's the fourth seed. We don't think they're very good. They get blown out. See, they don't belong. No, anybody like was going to get blown out right. in some of those games. So if, if Alabama beat Cincinnati by three touchdowns, that doesn't mean Cincinnati didn't belong. That just means Alabama's better than probably any fourth seed we would have picked. Yeah,
0: it, it means Ohio State belongs. But that's a discussion for another time because I think they're the fourth best team. But no, they the, don't belong.
3: The no, they don't belong. They <laughs> they might be the fourth best team. They played <laughs> They played Oregon and lost bad, and they played Well, lost by touchdown, and they played Michigan. So I'm, I'm with you. I've, I watched every Ohio State snap this year pretty much. They're a very, very, very good team, but they didn't belong in the playoffs, even yeah. if they're the four best. And, 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 and
0: what's what's interesting is, and you and I have argued this over the years, like, you know, ad nauseum, and I think people do it all over Twitter and, like, on TV and talking heads, and I think it's actually quite easy. Like, I, like I think the best four teams, and, and, you know, Godfrey doesn't want to hear this, but I think the best four teams are Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. But I also am OK with someone just being honest with me and saying, look, Ohio State would be a two touchdown favorite over Cincinnati as well. They're the quote unquote better team, but they had their chance. They lost twice. They didn't win a championship. They don't belong in the tournament. Like, I'm OK with someone just being honest about it and not. You know, Does that make sense? Like, I think we yeah totally like it's we not like ourselves Oregon. around the axle all the time with like, who's better, even though that's the job. But. I don't know. Sometimes it's just sort of like, be honest about it and say, no, I don't, I don't want to see that team in the tournament because they don't belong. I want to see this team get a chance.
3: Yeah. It's in, if Oregon was really good at top five team, you could maybe that would add some credence to the Ohio state argument, but Ohio state lost at home to a mediocre, a pretty mediocre or what turned out to be a mediocre Oregon team. And I know Ohio state made some defensive adjustments and were better down the stretch. So you, I think you, you, I might be stealing this from you back in our old podcast days is and I'm fine with this rationale is like there's there's not much of a difference when we're looking at playoff teams from zero to one loss. You can forgive a, a, a bad game. There's a huge difference between one and two. And I think one and two losses, I think we've seen the committee do that. Um, and I'm fine with that. Like the, the one thing I didn't love about the committee down the stretch, it all worked itself out is. When they had Alabama number two, and everyone was like, okay, well, they're done if they lose to Georgia. Well, if you're the second-best team in the country by the committee and they lose to Georgia by seven points, 14 points, how are they the fifth-best team? So, like, I thought the committee would have been doing itself a favor after Alabama lost putting them third or fourth. You could drop them from third to fifth or fourth to fifth, but if all things stayed equal and they were the number two team they lost to Georgia, how are they dropping three spots? That wouldn't have made sense.
0: Well, I I had Alabama-Georgia one and two – in the preseason and every single poll, the entire rest of the season, I still think they're one and two. I'm picking them to win the, and play in the national championship. I'll give you my national title pick l- later on in the month, I guess, but I I, I would lean Georgia actually, because I've seen Kirby smart make adjustments. When, w- what are your thoughts on how it plays out?
3: Um, I don't want to be like prisoner of the moment and sit here and say, there's no way that Alabama is going to lose. Cause they played so well. I, I haven't thought about it too much. I'd like to see, how Georgia? I mean, I, I think Alabama's going to beat Cincinnati. I haven't really decided. I mean, Michigan's very impressive. They they're, they control the line of scrimmage. So defensive end, you know, football's a pretty easy game, or it's a much easier game to coach when you got dudes at defensive end who can get to the quarterback. I mean, it's I could coach you know the defense there. Um, so I, I think this quarterback decision at Georgia is one of the more fascinating subplots in years in college football. Like JT Daniels, if they thought he was better, he would be playing. Like I get. Maybe he's a little bit better of a quarterback, his upside. And I understand why they didn't play, why they didn't make the change. But Stetson Bennett gives them something uh, that JT Daniels doesn't, mobility. When you're playing a team that gets after the quarterback, maybe you want a quarterback who can move around. So, like, I, the, the people that think they would just – it's Kirby being conservative. Maybe I'm being naive, but I just think they think that right now Stetson Bennett's the better quarterback for them. So I'll be interesting, to, interested to see what happens there. I think my pick's – would be Alabama and Georgia, but Michigan wouldn't surprise. me. mean, if they play, I you know, part of me wants to see a new blood. In Michigan Alabama would be great, uh, but part of me wants to see a rematch to see how Georgia responds.
0: It, it also would lead to faster expansion of the playoff as well. So that's a, a positive uh, plot that I know you've always been on board with the eight or ten or twelve team uh, uh, playoff. As well. are, are you,
3: are you surprised? Sure. Are you are you surprised they didn't go to JT in Atlanta? A little bit. Um, because I mean, not, not that Kirby should make decisions on what Nick Saban has done, but there's like precedent set for that, like on that field, the guy across the the, the, the field from him made a very daring move a couple years ago and it paid off. And, you know, I, I do think there's something to be said for just trying something new, a spark. Um, so I, I, I mean, would try it. <laughs> yeah, the, the different, different caliber of yeah, yeah. quarterbacks there, I guess. Well, um, so yeah I was a little surprised I thought maybe a drive or two um so uh, it's good if JT Daniels doesn't take another snap for Georgia and they don't win the national championship I think Georgia fans are going to be talking about that until until or if they ever win a national championship
0: yeah I I I agree with you on the one of the more fascinating subplots that we've had in recent recent years that's for sure um uh, let's talk a little recruiting here before we let you go. And I know, uh, as a college football editor, sort of recruiting is is your thing now at the Athletic, which I think is uh, ironic considering our relationship. <laughs> but um, I, I want, I just in general, the new coaches. We had sort of a narrative around a couple of the new coaches coming into their jobs, right? We had a narrative around Josh Heupel, really good offense, really sound scheme. It's going to develop those players. Questions about recruiting at Central Florida. That right now on paper. That's exactly what happened at Tennessee. Really sound offense, good coaching, you know, the sixth best recruiting class in the East. Shane Beamer, uh, I think he's broken a little bit of the mold by getting to six wins, no question there. But clearly, you know, rock star recruiter. Brian Harson. we don't even know if he's going to be employed this time next week. Um, And we've got, of course, uh, Clark Lee, who's all about the culture and the leadership books and the the speeches and the motivation and tearing people down to build them back up. What do you make of the four new coaches and the job they're doing recruiting and, and sort of, is it all as
3: you expected it to be? Um, Yeah. I mean, Shane Beamer's done a really good job. That staff has identified a, not not that they don't think they can go into Georgia and Florida and win recruiting battles, but I think they kind of know who they are and they're not going to beat Clemson, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama for kids. In the deep South, they have uh, because some of the guys on their staff, uh, guys like Pete Lembo, uh, they, they've identified the Northeast corridor. They've got some; their quarterbacks from Delaware. They got some kids from Pennsylvania, so they they are trying to. They got they got a few kids that Penn State wanted, quite frankly. So they've done a good job. Of course, they're going to focus in state, and if a kid's in Georgia, they're going to go after him. But they, they've kind of created a little niche, geographic niche for them. And they're, they're, I haven't looked at their their rankings. Lately, but it's it's a good class. They've done a good job. And they did a good job selling. Like, it's not just, oh, this late season surge. They've got some commitments. It's they, they were doing a good job early. I'm totally with you on Tennessee. What a fun team. Like, I, Tennessee has, I know there's been some ebbs and flows, but since I've been around here, pre-internet recruiting, Tennessee's always recruited well. I don't care if Derek Dooley was the coach or what was going on. You could always count on them recruiting well. So it's kind of ironic or whatever the word you want to use is, like, this is the most fun Team. They've got an adult as a head coach who can form complete sentences like, why isn't Tennessee recruiting better? I know they had Walter Nolan on campus this week. So that to me is a little bit of a surprise because there is a there's proof. Like Clark Lee is trying to sell something. Uh, Shane Beamer, I know they won six games, but they still weren't very good. They're trying to sell a vision. Tennessee has proven with a depleted roster that they can do well. So I'm a little surprised. Maybe that's a, a year thing. You know, it's you know, a lot of times there's, there's about an 18 month lag. Um Vanderbilt Clark Lee's actually done a good job of late. They've rallied. Um, I just looked this up for something else I was doing. Their average ranking rating per player would be the third best class of the internet era. It's behind one of James Franklin's classes and one of Derek Mason's classes. They just got a really good quarterback who decommitted from uh, Maryland there. So, But that, that's an example of one just trying to sell a vision. You can't sell what they did on the field because they were bad this year. Now you could sell playing time. Auburn has Auburn sort of that Tennessee group where you just say Auburn recruits. Well, now we're not talking top five classes like like georgia has been doing. Alabama's been doing Ohio State, but they're not recruiting as well as I thought they would at all. You know, for, for as much as they have to sell as a program, I know that their product in the field wasn't great there. So um, when recruiting is such a big and uh, so important on all these coaching hires, as we've seen in this in this cycle, it's kind of interesting that you would say, you know, South Carolina and Vanderbilt are probably recruiting a little bit better, recruiting better than we're, we've seen. And Tennessee and Auburn probably not as well, even though Tennessee had the best season. So that's kind of my rambling answer there. But, you know, we've, we've still – it's just the early signing period. I, Tennessee fans, you know, don't give up on Josh Heupel as a recruiter. It's just not going as well right off the bat.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, do, I did find this year to be fascinating in that we got so many great stories in the SEC showing us that as long as you get the right guy – at the right time, that you can be a top 25 program at Mississippi State, at Arkansas, at Ole Miss, at, at you know, all these different jobs, Kentucky, just we just like sure. yada, yada, yada over a nine-win Kentucky team, which is incredible. Um, is Who is best positioned to capitalize on those seasons and maintain them? Because we all believe Lane Kiffin's eyes are wandering towards either Miami or I guess that's probably not the case, but maybe the NFL. Yeah. Um, who of those coaches do you see sort of long-term – recruiting sustainability of, of those guys that have had pretty good seasons this
3: year? Yeah. Well, uh, Ole Miss is another school that's not just in this class, not recruiting as well as you would think with Lane Kiffin in the season they had um, in, in a fun offense with Matt Krupp. I think the answer to your question is Kentucky. Uh, you know, they have talked about a program, the model program as far as just slowly building your program and building your recruiting. They're getting top 200 guys, top 250 guys. Uh, they got Keontae Goodman, a, a five-star offensive lineman from Southern Indiana. He's not an in-state kid, but he's close. He's right in Louisville, uh, but he's just visiting everywhere. So they got to hold on to him. Um, but they just got a four-star wide receiver from, from Nashville, Pearl Cone. Um, so they are recruiting very well and just slowly building up their talent. And then obviously we've dipped into the portal for, for Will Levis because they they haven't you know really I don't want to miss anyone, but the the quarterbacks they've recruited haven't really panned out of late. Um, So I've been really, really impressed with Mark Stoops, the fact that they were able to hold on to him. And they've done such a great job in Ohio. And they they, Kentucky, you know, there's some like the theory about recruiting and stuff. Maybe if you don't think about it that closely, Brayden, it's like Ohio State's emergence as a dominant program nationally is one of the primary reasons that Kentucky's good at football. Because... (laughs) Ohio State used to be under the Jim Trussell year, they would just lock up all those gritty Ohio kids. You know, if you looked at the top 15 kids in Ohio, they'd have 11 of them committed. Well, Ohio goes to Texas, they go to California, they go all over the place. Well, which program has done better than any going into Ohio and getting those, not even called second tier, those kids that Ohio State's not offering, it's been Kentucky with that staff. With with Vince Morrow, the recruiting coordinator. And they took advantage of some years when Michigan Michigan used to go into Ohio all the time back when like when I was a kid in the 80s and 90s, they stopped going into Ohio a lot. Kentucky, you know, the rise of there's a lot of factors, obviously. Good coaching, everything. I mean, since Cincinnati's coaching. certainly benefiting too. Like, yeah, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's benefiting uh, in, in that regard too. They've done a good job in state. Um, so yeah, it's just it, it's it in I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but you know where Ohio's been great, Ohio State's been great in. Texas, you know, which program hasn't been great recently, Texas, like well, all those wide receivers they're getting a lot of them are Texas kids yeah. that yeah. don't want to go to Texas. Now, Texas a and cleaning up. So you go on and on, but it's just, it's interesting how some of these programs look for weak spots where maybe national power isn't doing well and go in or maybe when National Power is recruiting so well, there's this, the second tier kids are, are, are they're, what they're building their program on. It's all connected. A big drama.
0: It's just a big drama. Uh, I'll leave you, I'll ask you this, this last one and let you go here, Mitch. We appreciate it. Um, Brent Venables is going to have to soon recruit against Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly, Billy Napier, you know, all these guys we've, we've talked about. And I guess I could, I could, we can include maybe Kelly in this conversation as well because he's certainly bringing a different culture to Louisiana. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see it. I see it potentially with Brian Kelly at LSU. I, I don't, I don't see the Brent Venables thing transitioning to the SEC and being able to recruit at a level that allows that program to sustain 10, 11 win seasons. I don't see it.
3: Yeah, a couple of thoughts. Brian Kelly has the built-in, you know, Louisiana kids that they're just going to get. Like, if you were the head coach at LSU, you're going to get X amount of in-state kids there. Oklahoma does not have that at Oklahoma. Now they could call the Metroplex in Dallas their, their home area, but with Texas A&M's emergence as a dominant recruiting power, I still think Circle will be fine in recruiting. Um, Lincoln Riley, you know, he's going to come into back into Oklahoma. He's going to come into Texas. Um, the thing that I would. I love Brent Venable's energy and all that. Obviously, his resume is great. But the thing that would concern me, like you're saying, from a recruiting against the SEC standpoint, is Lincoln Riley was able to sell that program based on their sexiness offensively, three Heisman Trophy-winning quarterbacks, um, you know, he went into California, had three, five stars in the 2023 class class from the same high school in LA and LA committed, I like, guess Brent Venables going to go recruit nationally like that. I don't know. Now, if they bring in, um, you know, I guess Levy's rumored to be the offensive coordinator, if they if they're scoring a ton of points, then maybe they can hold on to that. But that's a, that's a, that's, that's a, it's kind of an anomaly in college football. It's a national power in a state that does not produce a lot of players. So they've got to recruit Texas, obviously, and national that will be the challenge for Brent Venables. And, and now the the competition
0: is going to skyrocket. Like you you could recruit the way you did at Oklahoma and get to the playoff. That ain't going to work in, in, in the SEC when you've got to beat those other teams and those other coaches for players. Mitch, always a pleasure, man. Have a great holiday season. We will talk soon. We appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with us, man.
3: All right. Anytime, right See you, bro.
0: That was Mitch Light of The Athletic. Of course, a little and talk. Of course, he's got a new recruiting podcast over there with Ari Wasserman of The Athletic. So now he's like a recruiting expert, which is ironic because he hired me to be the recruiting person at Athlon like 15 years ago. So interesting that I'm interviewing him now about recruiting on our show. Fascinating how life works sometimes. But thank
1: you <laughs> yeah, for, for He recruited joining. you to work for him and now he's talking about recruiting?
0: Well, no, I was the recruiting editor at I Athlon. know, but he also
1: recruited you to be the recruiting editor, didn't he?
0: I don't know if he recruited me as much as I was forced upon him.
1: Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense.
0: <laughs> by, by an individual that you know and will remain nameless on the show. Uh, but I could also, make a guess. For all the people at Athlon that wonder why I'm there. <laughs> 50 <laughs> years later. <laughs> it was this guy's fault. Um, but Mitch is great. Mitch, I've learned everything. I've learned so much about the media and, and college football from Mitch. I've worked for him. I worked for him for 10 years or whatever, as long as he was with us at Athon. So great to see him now doing recruiting stuff, which is just weird again, because that's what I used to do for him. Now he's doing that for us. So we appreciate it. Oh, I just are need you trying
1: a... to make, are you trying to
0: I just need make him feel
1: smaller? No,
0: he's wonderful. His that that show is amazing. Like he and Ari do a great job. Go check it out. It's fantastic. I I, I think I think Mitch has never like not done a good job at something. So, so I wish I could I wish I could pick on him.
1: But it was like a tiny little like. But now he works for us.
0: No, no, he was gracious enough no. to give us like fifteen minutes of his. I time. I know
1: he's the most recurring guest on the podcast, so obviously we know how we feel about him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I just needed a breath. I think Mitch is just a breath of like normal positivity after sometimes spending too much time with Stephen Godfrey. So,
1: yeah, Mitch. Well, Mitch, Mitch will give us our fair share of shit, but
0: yes, I don't, well, I don't mind that. I, it's more about the cynical view of the sport. <laughs> Mitch is sort of like a happy person who watches games in a happy way and sees things happily. And Stephen's just like, rah, 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 the whole time.
1: Happy Hanukkah to Mitch, by the way.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Thank you to Mitch Light, Stephen Godfrey, Aaron Dugan as well. Where should people go eat if they want to watch a ball game?
1: Jaspers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got something for them or no?
1: Jaspers, your local neighborhood watering hole.
0: There you have it. The next evolution of the sports bar where parking is free. The menu is fantastic. The specials are real. And they've got a grab and go market. Go check it out. Go to Jaspers. Aaron, thank you so much. People can follow you at the Aaron Dugan on Twitter at Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. You can follow me, Braden Gall at Braden Gall on the Twitters at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network.